Ooh. <laughs> All right. I mean, okay. Zoom. We're recording Zoom. We can do it with Zoom. Let's try it. Anyway, this is our uh, return. This is our season two premiere. Uh, we can call it <laughs> a trial episode. And anyway, we're just going to release it to our patrons, right? Yeah. Did we agree on that? Sure. Yeah. That's the plan, right? What do you think? Yeah. I think we should just like for a while, it'll allow us some um, training wheels kind of situation to get back on, which you probably don't need because you've been podcasting this whole time. But I need because I've been hiding from people for months since we haven't been doing this podcast. So I feel bad at communicating. Uh, so I'm glad to just like start it slow and just check in with you. So tell me, Jake, what have you been up to? What's going on with your life in this summer that we haven't seen each other? Um, yeah, so it has been summer, right? We basically took summer off. Yeah, which I will propose that I think this is what we should do every year is just take the summer off and have it be like seasons other podcast seasons we can do that yeah we'll, yeah we'll we'll figure it out but tell me what 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 happened with your summer well so i don't know man i got back from that eve six tour and like it's weird because i made a bunch of money on it and it still was not enough to just get out of debt like with having taxes to pay and all this stuff and, like weird stuff yeah. in my apartment and so i was looking at stuff and i was in this weird situation where i was trying to balance like um doing all these podcasts and doing stand-up and trying to like write and stuff and do other stuff outside of this and having any money and I sort of realized like that I needed to well, I needed to make some money and I was like but if I'm working a certain amount of hours a week I'm not really gonna be able to do all this extra stuff so why like the podcast kind of fell off and I just basically decided to throw myself into work like hardcore. Yeah. And while I was doing it also, this guy I work with fucking drank himself into a he destroyed himself. It was really crazy. He like fucked up his appendix or his uh what do you call it? Not his liver, the other one, pancreas. Kidney? Pancreas. Okay. Pancreas. And it's really weird because when it happened. I had just taken a second job too because I was only working a couple days and then this guy he couldn't work anymore so I took all his shifts and the next thing I know I'm working like 40 hours plus bartending every week and you know trying to do I do PDA and everything on the side yeah I was like looking at this and I was I'm making good money and I was thinking, you know, if I do this for a while, eventually I can like drop some of these shifts and then like kind of go back to having like creative life. But I just decided to like immerse myself in it in so many ways and like kill my mind for a little bit, like do some ego death with yeah, just bartending nonstop, which is like a job I get something out of and also like making money like it. I feel like if I save enough, then I'll be able to like switch and stop working yeah. and then like write the fucking screenplay or whatever I'm trying to write and stuff so like i don't know i had this weird summer i was like i guess for the summer i'm just gonna like just do the work talk yeah. out of this thing you know yeah. but it's like this lifestyle job that comes with all this weird like i've been hanging out in bars late at night every night and stuff and like hanging around the industry again and shit <sighs> i don't know yeah. i i killed myself with it but it's uh it's not a permanent thing i just figured i'd stack like tons of cash that way I could stop thinking about money so I could get back into like creative mode. 
Yeah. Man, that's so crazy. I mean, like, not to get immediately into, like, uh, why you mad kind of shit, but, like, <laughs> this is Caselic shit of the, you know, the um, hubris and despair extremes, right? Like, um, you know, um, as we had time off, I was, like, reflecting upon, like, my our relationship with each other and, like, what we talk about on the podcast and stuff, and it does seem like we are both examples of this modern pendulum of swinging between hubris and despair. And what's funny is that it seems like we are not often on the same swing, you know, like we're swinging in the opposite direction, but we understand that eventually we will be on the other side. <laughs> I don't know if that makes sense the way that I explain it, but like, you know, um, so you're telling me that you spent this summer of like being like, I guess what I, I read it as like despairing a little bit of your creativity and art life and finding more um, fruitfulness in going in the despair and like fully think of yourself as like a capitalist cog who can get money and something out of this by doing X, Y, Z, right? And I think I've often been that in the past. Yeah. And then I've swung also to like, uh, I don't have to be that and I can be creative and I'm in free spaces and I, I almost feel like maybe at the end of when we were last talking on the podcast um, I was feeling like I was on the free end <laughs> of that pendulum swing where I was uh, feeling the hubris of like uh, I've made good decisions and my life is going well and my job is going well and uh, now I'm just now starting kind of to swing back towards despair <laughs> where I'm like oh God, but it doesn't get anywhere. Like no matter how much you work hard, I don't know. I, I haven't formulated this entirely because I also haven't been talking to anybody since, right? Since we've been on break, but like, I mean, I've been talking to people, but not about this in this way that I normally talk to you about. Um, it almost seems like it's like a reality of capitalism now that we have to subject ourselves to like periods of um, I'm just going to dedicate myself to being this worker cog to get the things that I need out of that and then make space for your creativity, which to me is always like a, a reminder of this Marx thing. I never get the quote right, but it doesn't matter. The point was that he said uh, something to the effect of like um, physical labor is not not compatible with intellectual labor so the more physical labor that you have to do the less mental and emotional and even like physical time and space time you have for intellectual labor because physical labor literally depletes all of your energy but the truth is that in capitalism physical or like just like productive labor can often give you this feeling of satisfaction that yeah. your intellectual labor doesn't give you right does that make yeah. sense <laughs> it's yeah weird. even though it kind yeah. of shouldn't it's yeah. a vestigial holdover from a time when it yeah. would feel good to like farm your own food or something well, it feels good to complete something and to be like oh it, i did it good and i got a tip <laughs> yeah. yeah you're evolved to feel that way from yeah originally would like fucking grow your own food or kill a cow or mm -hmm. something but it's capitalism tricks you into feeling that way when you made a bunch of money for someone else yeah totally get to take home like some fucking cash tips or something 
and it like tricks you into it i've been thinking about this a lot because like uh, i'm like i'm aware of this but i'm still doing yeah it, you know? and like uh term i kind of came up with in my head today when i was trying to like write a thing was like um what's so fucked up about work i guess is that uh you know and we always talk about how much more privileged artists are who come from like wealth and stuff like that because they don't have to like work all day uh and so they're able to just do these things as i was thinking about how like like i when i'm working this much i blink and a month goes by so that's why oh, it's like, weird. i haven't talked yeah. to you for months or something because i just like yeah. i don't know i just am in this other mode and i was thinking like you know if you live your whole life like this it's almost like you're not even conscious like you're mm -hmm. just this other like you're asleep or something and you're a cog it yeah. felt like uh the term was uh, when you're working you're on like the loading screen of life is how i was thinking about it like when you're waiting for a video game to load or like a movie or something or the commercials playing like but if you're if you work you're in that like 90 percent of the time and then you get to watch the fucking movie or whatever for like 10 percent, and all these other people are living in ways where the ratio is different or whatever and like i was also thinking about this because um ah, this wild experience that i can't even mention anything about because like the it, hard to explain why i can't even mention it about it, it, it <laughs> was it a date trouble. was it a tinder date no no no, no. <laughs> conversation okay. with somebody high up in some shit that Ooh, i can't okay, okay, okay. but i was talking about like marxist shit and was like um you know i was talking to somebody who came from a little bit of privilege and who was like you know but a radical and was talking about uh fidel and they were mm -hmm. talking about how like they were like um you know fidel was from privilege you know but he became radicalized and when they came to appropriate all the landed stuff he came out and he was like take it and like this person was you know describing being like from the intelligentsia part yeah. of communism and like w wanting uh to you know work in solidarity with me down here some lily bartender right yeah you know about that i was like you know it's so funny about like the historical quest for like to complete history to like create revolution and usher in like a better world is like there's this conundrum where in order for it to kind of work you do kind of have these intelligentsia people that then work with us the workers down here yeah but we like when it has worked historically you have rich people who understand what's going on intellectually but kind of our sociopaths like they don't really feel <laughs> the way we do like they're kind of douchebags you know a lot of people that are in the world of socialism i like don't like like i just think that they're like you know you work from different planets you and me yeah. me and you know so these mil bil millionaire podcasters at this point like these are nerds like from college yeah. and stuff then you have the working class so the intelligentsia of people understand what's going on intellectually but can't feel anything working class is all about feeling what's going on but they don't have like intellectual words and theories for it yeah, we're yeah. dumb we're dumbasses. Yeah. i'm like one of those i'm like a worker bee that like yeah. gave a pamphlet to and i started reading and i somehow like started getting theory in my head and shit but i'm like yeah. I'm the dumb part of this this is why i felt like i felt it so viscerally when i went back to work I was like, right, this is what my life was for a long time and like still kind of is going to be. And like, uh, I kind of became like a, you know, a radical person, like a leftist through like feeling, intuiting what was going on at work and figuring Definitely. out 
when I'm counting my tips. Oh, wait a minute. This is weird. This isn't, I'm not taking home all the value I created all this stuff. So like, I don't know. I'm just kind of stuck in this conundrum where like, I mean, obviously this is like the million dollar question. We're not going to like answer how to solve this, but that is, that is the quandary of the situation that we live in as these people laboring under capitalism, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, it's, as you were talking, it reminded me of like white feminists and shit. Like um, we now demonize white feminism. And I definitely think there's a lot wrong with white feminism. Don't get me wrong, but something that we, I mean, I shouldn't say we, I have trouble accepting as I should say, is that um, because it's something I'm not good at is that you do have to form allyships. However you say that alliances that's let's go with that one alliances with um people who are not like you um and the trouble of it is like intellectually i can accept and i know that there are people who are class traders in the good way who um through whatever experiences and education whatever they ended up at a place where they want to reject every privilege that was ever given to them and they want to side with the working class um, but I think that they are as much the exception as those of us who on the left, the working class left intuitively arrived at other people are not my enemy. The system is my enemy. Right. Yeah. Um, and I gotta say, uh, it's difficult for me to accept that we need their help. Like we can't do it without having allies on that other side. But I do want to like raise the red flag of warning that in between those two extremes, there's this giant liberal fucking mass of people who have the education, I guess, to say the right things, but don't have the class consciousness to act the right way. Does that make sense? <laughs> you know, so like liberals in the middle, they're the ones who are obscuring this whole thing. Like they're the ones that make everyone think that it's one side or another being like snowflakes about language and being like whatever, because they want to insist that it's about this culture war shit about like, how educated are you? What terms do you use? Do you not get who is the privileged person here and who's the, the downtrodden and whatever. And it's fucking not about that. It's not about knowing the terms. It's not about using them. It's about like, where do you actually draw the line and where do you stand and what do you vote for and who do you align yourself with? And the vast majority of liberal progressives in the middle say all the right words, but they don't actually act in any way to help either extreme of working class. Yeah, well, they're still ideologically like a step behind some, yeah. someone like you or me, and yet are armed with all of this like language and stuff. The words, yeah, totally. And like and like knowledge. Like mm -hmm. true. Like a liberal has all this fucking knowledge. They Absolutely. Don't like understand the big picture of how to implement it and like use it critically, you know? But there are yeah. people like there are people who are libs who I would say are ideologically libs who are like impressively like smart with just acquiring tons and tons and tons and tons of knowledge yeah. it's bizarre to like kind of look at from a perspective of somebody who you know reads theory and shit because you're like but you don't like put any of this stuff into 
like i mean you know a lib is somebody who thinks history is this long story and you're like wow you memorized the whole story that's a lot of names and events i don't need to memorize the whole story because i understand the mathematical equation that is the like how the to present yeah what how things move or whatever so i don't like you know have to sit there and read every fucking king for you know every dynasty and yada 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 i understand historical materialism which is like a like an equation like a lens you can just apply to any situation and get like the answer out of it so like yeah i know what you mean i mean that it, you know i i i this is why bartending is so fucking cool especially in new york i meet all these people and like i just met someone like a young student from uh vienna the other day and like how do i explain this when i'm working I hang out and I've got these neighborhood people who are like Americans and like I sound to them like a crazy person talking about Marxism and <laughs> critiquing capitalism. Like there's people who like have heart attacks at me and are yeah. like, what are you, how could you possibly like, yeah. angry, like angry at me? And I like really shouldn't talk like this while I'm working. So I'm trying to make money, but they're like regulars. Like they're going to come anyway, but they like, want to chat with you. They love the argument. Yeah. yeah. Like it's cool. We're like, you know, we still have friends, yeah. with but it's like, they th I think it's to the extent that they think I'm like putting it on like <laughs> be a weirdo or whatever and but then it's like I had this fucking student from Vienna come in and we just started chatting and hit it off and I started uh I just you know started like discussing a couple of things they were talking about using some very basic you know critical analysis we hit it off immediately this is a college kid from europe they they how do i here's what i'm explaining like the rest of the bar looked at me and i was like talking about zizek with this person yeah and then i was and then they were talking about how they were like um you know america's crazy they were like america's crazy like your left here is right of center everywhere else yeah. in the world and i was like i know and then i looked at all my regulars it was like see, see? like <laughs> there's more people. i told you i was right <laughs> well i was like how do i explain like the fucking uh perspective distortion here i'm like i'm talking to somebody from the rest of the world the rest of the world there's more people than there are in america so there's yeah. actually more people that think this way than there are in your world but you never leave this neighborhood or this country or whatever so to to you like thinking in terms of the center being where you know in the center and not fucking right or whatever yeah uh, the like Your whole map is skewed right yeah, yeah. and I'm, like, yeah. I'm like this is crazy because i'm like but if i live in america and i'm like this i'm going to feel crazy because of the social pressure yeah my yeah. entire life forever and still be right like it's bananas dude let me do a blind item here <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to throw it out because it is a blind fucking fun item. And we're doing this Patreon. I mean, we will eventually read these until public. So whatever. But uh, recently in New York City, there was a situation in which, uh, not a situation, a show, a show, a comedy show <laughs> in which um, there were there were a variety of comedy books, uh, comedians booked. Some of them were, um, I guess you could call them veterans, right? Established old older comics and some of them were younger doing great coming up comics and a uh, younger doing great coming up comic went up and did some jokes about Biden 
right? And their jokes were like making fun of Biden and how Biden's like not a good enough president, et cetera, right? And then one of the older, uh, more established, more famous comedians came up after them and immediately kind of like made the whole thing about how the previous comic was wrong and um, called them out being like, I wasn't there. I heard this from multiple people <laughs> from third hand, I guess, right? Yeah. Uh, and so then I guess like the more famous comic went up and was like, oh my God, these young people, like they are, they don't even get it. Like if you're against Biden, you don't even know what greater evil we're fighting. You're just like, uh, you're not helping basically, <laughs> right? You're making things worse. Talking to liberals, man. Yes, man. And, uh, you know, I love both of the comics involved here. And so I'm not at all taking sides or anything, but it's just such a weird exchange in which a younger comic is actually um, questioning the status quo of something around them. And then the older comic is just like leading back on like, well, it could be worse. And it's such an old move. It's such an old thing to do of like refusing to accept the criticism of the current administration is valid. And that thinking that there was some, that there is another worse version means that you shouldn't be critical of this one. Yeah. Is insane. But that is the, the, um, I guess mentality, I think that permeates the majority of American people who are not on the two extremes of left or right. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's one of those things where like, so the majority of Americans, this is where language gets confusing. Yeah. People that are Republicans or Democrats are all capital L liberals. Exactly. Yeah. Liberalism is the philosophy of the bourgeois capitalist class. Mm -hmm. uh, this is a good thing. This is the phase of history that will bring. Or it's it like, down. we're morally good people, but the reality is we all need to make money and whatever it takes. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So in America, you have two different flavors of liberalism. One of them calls themselves liberal, so it's confusing. Mm -hmm. But like the other one is also a version of that ideology, liberalism. Neocons. Like, yeah, and yeah. like uh, that person who's saying like, who's alarmed that a comedian would go on and say something critical of Biden. The 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 reason that 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 I think idea permeates is because marxism is about materialism it's about yeah. understanding that the outcomes of history come from material dynamic forces that uh are beyond you know an individual's control and they're these big roiling tectonic plates that shift and then create you know tensions in society and then people do things right that is illegal to think about in the United States. So we are mm -hmm. left with the op, the 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 yang to that yin, which is still a thing that exists, but it's like it's the only thing that liberals believe, which is idealism, which is this like other. If you go way 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 back in like basic philosophy, these are shit that they talk about in like Hegel and stuff like that yeah. that led into Marx's dialectical historical materialism and stuff like that. Idealism is the opposite idea, which is that um ideas are what shape like outcomes of history and so you have these like just you know great ideas that then uh revolutionize everything and yada 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 and this is like yeah. a really toxic like there there are some 
thing, things that I think that's true. That's a good way to look at uh, in like science and stuff like that. But this is a really advantageous philosophy to capitalism because what it says is you should reward you know fucking elon musk because he invented the tesla car and that like <laughs> doesn't actually tell you the whole story of like well, who actually invented it all this stuff it's this idea that um that when we're trying to like have an election the uh the here's what i'm getting at the, the old boomer comics like that think that when there's an election happening the thing that is going to determine whether or not a big massive amount of people vote for biden is yeah. like ideas that people put out about him so they go no 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 don't say things bad about him because that'll get out there and then it'll get out of yeah. and it'll change people's minds and it's like a really like condescending way to look at people like humans like totally. you're just an idiot and you hear someone criticize biden you're gonna go i now i'm not gonna vote for it like well not just that you're completely uh disregarding people's lived experience like with their material reality so if a bunch of people are fucking telling you um hi biden is not helping me they're not he's not uh forgiving my student loans in any significant way that changes my life he is not providing covid relief or covid help or health care or anything that would help me he's not doing anything about the fact that kids are getting shut shot in schools uh etc we can go on and on and on then for you to turn around and be like oh but don't say don't point that out because that's gonna make him look bad is so fucking shitty and condescending yeah well it assumes that also it just assumes that other people then hear him looking bad and are dumb enough to then have this domino effect where like yeah I mean, it's also just like you follow this tr logic long enough it just becomes racist you're like oh don't yeah. you know I think all these people over here are dumb enough to where they're all going to be swayed by this fucking Absolutely. or whatever. But like you free yourself from worrying about shit like that when you understand material politics, because you're like able to deconstruct why did X amount of people vote for like Obama or Biden or Bernie yeah. or whatever, probably because, you know, there was this underlying material contradiction. People were making enough money. Then you had people come along. You know, Trump is also explained this way very easily too. Yep, it addresses people's like problems that they're having materially. So that that like that's that's the stuff that's going to cause a fucking election. Just think about it, you old ass comics. Like, are you, do you literally think somewhere in like the history books, like in a history class somewhere, someone's gonna say like, and then Trump was elected because comedians said, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, we're too. They criticized Hillary. Well, I guess people do believe that, but yeah. like that's stupid. Like you shouldn't believe that. I don't know. Uh, but well, like I, here's what I'm getting at, though. Talking about all that, like yeah, like comedians bum me out to more and more. Uh, that's our new slogan for the podcast. <laughs> comedians bum me out. <laughs> more and more every day of my life, I feel like an alien in this gr group of people that I used to, I guess, get something out of hanging out with. And like, it's not going to get better. And like, this is what it's like to continue to be curious and pursue like an understanding of the world for you all only alienate yourself from comics and normal, just middle-class people in America. It, any group of people is going to gravitate in a stupid American idealistic sort of center right direction. So, like, I've just been making a lot of peace with, like, sitting in this bar, like, watching people walk by, 
Somebody comes in, I say a thing to them. They don't even understand why it was funny. I laugh <laughs> myself and I'm like, moving on. <laughs> I'm going to be alone inside of this skull yeah. for the rest of my life. And it's only going to get more and more difficult to like kind of connect with other people. Every, every once in a while, though, that European student comes in and it's great, right? But, yeah, yeah. But like, this is like, <sighs> well, Jake, this is on. something like, I don't even know if I want to start this, but this is something I had written down as like a whole episode's worth of something we could talk about because uh maybe like you know this is the reason we we do logically come back together and why season two makes sense is because um most of our peers don't feel this way or if they feel this way they're not being honest with themselves or others about it but I have been feeling a lot of like disconnection with the comedy people that I used to feel were like my people right and partially, I think it's because of this, because I do think that comedy serves two really distinct purposes. And it almost goes back to what you were saying about like, uh, fuck, what's his name? Irish author who wrote the book about the guy shitting and stuff. <laughs> That's what I call oh, it. Irvin. Ulysses, no. Ulysses Uly yeah, the Uly Ulysses guy. Yeah. What's yeah. his name? uh you know what i'm talking about damn it. we'll google it i've already been drinking so nobody fucking tweet at me about how i should oh james joyce i know this ah. i don't have to google it james joyce okay so um while you were talking i thought about the difference between yates and james joyce okay which i do think is something we've talked about before but it is like a, a cornerstone of my i guess like view of art but um ultimately art can go one of two ways, which is um, the Yates way, which is to provide people with a better view of humanity than the current reality in order to give them something to hope for and strive towards, right? And then there's the James Joyce way of doing art, which is to show you the very true, real, gross reality of what humans are which mm -hmm. includes you have to take a shit and sometimes you have bubble guts and <laughs> you know, like yeah. you have to come and like all the gross shit about being a human. And I personally don't think that one is right and the other one is wrong. I think that both have to coexist and like together they move culture forward, right? So I think that the comics who are Ugh, I would call it pandering <laughs> or pandering and I guess painting the world in rose colored glasses of like telling people the things they want to hear. It is a form, a valid form of art, but it is necessary that then we also have the form of comedy that is um, not pandering to the greatest common denominator. But here's the thing. I think that by its nature and maybe because of capitalism, the second form is not encouraged you know what I mean like there's no reason for you to keep every day going up on stage and writing new jokes and trying to get attention and trying to get your words out there if you are constantly met with a brick wall or with like a, a you're just being contrarian why do you have to disagree with everyone I don't identify with your experience when there's like a whole bunch of people in comedy who make a whole fucking living off of just pandering to like, yeah, you're right. I have the same experience as you. Isn't parenting like this? And isn't being married exactly like that? And women be shopping and black people are like this. And they fucking get booked and they fucking keep making a living. Yeah. And so I guess I'm struggling with the fact that like comedy for me was always like, 
such an excellent measure of who people really are, of like the real culture. But now I'm kind of grossed out by what that really means. (laughs) 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 Shit, is that fucked up? I don't know, because, because the truth is like, you know, like a Carlin or like a Pryor, you know, the greats that you think of, yeah, they dipped their toe into the popular pool of like the lowest common denominator. I want you to like me. I will make jokes about the things that I know you get. But what made them great was that they were able to fold into that experiences that you don't relate with and that you can't identify with and like completely different views from what you previously had. And you still liked me afterwards. And I didn't present as like aggressive and oppositional to you and so they did grow ideological narratives and streams in society but they did it in this way where they were like parsing out a little bit of like lowest common denominator win you over get you to trust me and then push that boundary by giving you something different and I so often feel like all I'm seeing in comedy in recent times is one or the other where comedians either are only like, I'm a contrarian, I'm only saying things that make you mad, I'm only gonna be, you know, like whatever. Or they completely are just like weak ass pandering, like I know my base, I will say what they like, I will write the jokes that they love every single time. Yeah. And it sucks, because I don't think that's what comedy is supposed to be, either one of those things. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, Both of those things are art. You know, Yates, yeah. Joyce, both are art. One of them is heavily incentivized. The other one isn't. That's the difference. Not the difference isn't that they're not art or not. Yeah. Um, yeah, I know what you mean. I mean, I don't know. I think about that a lot because like uh, when I tweeted that Uvalda be kidding me thing. <laughs> I classic tweet at this point classic why you mad tweet (laughs) every so often I tweet something like that on purpose and the point I'm trying to make is Is that comedy stupid (laughs) that's one point for sure (laughs) well no but it's it's that I like make no mistake I damn an edgelord like I, I need people to know that and synthesize that with the fact that I also I am trying to explain good political ideas that make people's lives better and stuff like that. And it is not, a, you don't have to make a choice between indulging in fucked up humor and being a good person. But the thing that you totally. just described, the inability to do both of those things, that is like, a, that's what most people think is that you have to- so you can't do both, together. yeah. And I'm like trying to explain, like whenever I criticize and get into it with like chuds and stuff like it's that. It's almost like you have to do both, right? I think you should. Yeah, like it, yeah. it doesn't make sense unless you do both. And like whenever, yeah. whenever I like get into it with like the you know the Nazis and shit like that, they like cleverly reframe what's happening as like, oh, this guy Jake Flores, he's like a Seth Simon. He he hates our jokes and like yeah. he's you know he's like trying to cancel us. And he's and like the ideas that I'm saying, like you shouldn't be saying like the N-word or whatever, or like doing these like racial slurs or like yeah, yeah, yada. And it's a clever reframing of what I'm actually criticizing. That's why every once in a while I'll say the N-word or something. You know what I mean? Like, oh, not the N-word, but like 
I will say a thing that is that style of humor to go, yeah. I'm criticizing this world from within it. You understand? Like, yeah. I am one of these people. And I'm saying that you like part of the overall ideology going on. In this yeah, sphere. you're not on a high horse of like morality being like, hey, this is wrong. You are criticizing it from within. Yeah. And I also yeah. kind of need to shock the other side and go yeah. like, same lesson to like, you know, weird, like, people on the other side of that yeah, you're right. social justice oriented and stuff and go like, um, you know, I, I, I don't know, like I, I, ideologically it would be trapping to, to try to just like um, to give into some of the ideas that are going on in here about like, like I do kind of believe that some people are um, a little bit overly critical and are kind of language Nazis and stuff like that. Totally. That's an annoying reality in mm -hmm that you know the, the left or whatever that exists online and so i try well, to because it's a way of um gaining social cachet or whatever right of being like i'm better morally than so and so if i can point out that someone used this wrong language or did whatever so it's like a weird fucking thing where you might not necessarily believe it but you understand that it has value in this moral schema if you are like pointing out that someone was racist or sexist or whatever yeah, and like, yeah. you know, it's all it's all good to be like critical of those those things and talk about how maybe we need to think about uh, who hears certain things and whether or not it you know hurts people and stuff like that. This is all totally valid stuff. But I, you know, I like to like try to talk shop and be good at at talking theory and stuff like that and make inroads with people who are big activists and stuff like that, and then drop a you've all to be kidding me on them. So that they understand, <laughs> I am not. I'm coming from the other world. I'm a yeah. person. I'm not one of you. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm a per I'm a person who does enjoy, like uh, you know, crossing that line a little bit, like yeah. transgressive art and stuff yeah. like that, and living and being a human and not being perfect. And I am capable of also talking about fucking France Fanon with you or whatever. Like that. Yeah. You need to we have contain people. multitudes is what we're trying to say. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Un unlike, oh no, I was going to name names, but you know, unlike other people, let's say I'm trying to be better. I'm trying to be better actually, Jake, because um, so one of the things that I, I reflected upon this summer was like, uh, you know, I do think that we're right to, I'm not going to say hold people accountable because we are not judges. We don't have any way to hold anyone accountable, but I do think that we've been right in the past when we've mentioned individual people and their choices and their actions because individuals do have agency and they make certain choices however i do think it's more important to focus on like the systemic um big narrative ways in which we all fall into traps as opposed to like this individual person did this bad thing and this is something in comedy that i just am like i i don't know i had a conversation after a show recently with there were two comics there. There were more comics, but there was two comics. One was like, oof, how do I give details without giving details? Okay, so one was like talking about how their uh, job, their TV job ended, okay? So now they were like concerned about how they're gonna make money because their TV job ended. And the other comic who doesn't have a TV job, but has been touring and like working the road immediately was like, you don't have to worry. You have credits, you can do the road. And I was like, no, you don't have to do that. <laughs> it's like, you don't, you don't have to. I'm like, you, 
you can get a job because this comic had already been talking to me about how they could get a job doing other things with their other skills so that that would free them up to be able to do spots and just like focus on stand-up and like be good at stand-up and so to me it seemed like they were in a situation where on one side is like I'm not saying who's the angel or the devil but one shoulder was being like yeah you can do any other thing that is your capitalist exchange value so that you have money and time to dedicate to your art at other times and on her their other shoulder (laughs) was another person being like no you don't have to do a job for capitalism you can just whore yourself out for your art based on your credits and like email all these clubs and try to convince people so it's like they were framing it as like it's so easy to just go on the road but really what they were saying was like instead of getting a real job no offense (laughs) they're like you can sit on the phone and email all these people and try to convince them that because you have these certain credits they should pay you a certain amount for you to go to these clubs the thing if you go the road comedy yeah are you going to be up there doing Yates or Joyce? Exactly. Exactly, Jake. Because if you're up there doing Joyce, um, you're not going to get invited back. Right. But if you're up there doing Yates, you will get invited back, but you're not doing anything probably for the world except for giving them a rosy little picture of themselves and who they could be one day. Yeah, but for those people, it's not about the world. It's about them. Them, yeah, exactly. So it's just like a relieving thing, you know, like to me, like honestly, it's why uh, I've had people like ask me like, oh, why I've never tried stand up and whatever. But to me, it frankly just does come down to this besides the fact that I'm not a stage person and I don't want anybody looking at me (laughs) is the fact that uh, my sense of humor is not derived from common experience. My sense of humor is very often derived from like how weird it is that I don't feel like most of the people around me. Yeah. So I know that if I tried to go up on stage and do jokes, Jake, they would be like jokes that nobody would get, (laughs) you know, like it would be like (laughs) people being like, that's fucking weird. Why don't you believe in marriage? That's That's also why I've been drifting away from stand-up. It's just, I I like this form, but it doesn't work. It doesn't hurt when, it doesn't work as well when you're not um, reflecting to people the most common experience. And, and I think that's why like polyamory jokes are different, difficult BDSM jokes are difficult. Communist jokes are difficult. Anything that is really like not the status quo and not the main cultural narrative. All the is, things I is like. really, really hard. Yeah, it's the things I like too. And um, it's been really hard for me to kind of like even communicate to my friend comics that even when I think you're really funny, most of you are short of what I think is like really transgressive, <laughs> you know, because you're not, you're, you're still kind of like speaking to traditional narratives about marriage and about gender and about fucking yeah. capitalism. But then these people will like, yeah, like paint themselves as transgressive. And it's exactly. Like, and it's sick. Curated, it's so gross. You know? Yeah. It's like, oh, this is like a feminist comedy show or whatever. Yeah. Or, or but you just want to talk about how your husband didn't give you enough money to go out on a girl's night or whatever. And I'm like, oh, oh my God, stab me in the eye right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Why are you asking your husband for money? Oh my God, murder me. <laughs> uh, can I tell you a story? I think it's like, yeah, what we're talking about. So what, what I was talking about with this fucking European uh, person was, um, it was really funny. She was like a student who was just in town uh, for like the week, right? So she came into my bar like a few times and like, uh, 
you know, I'd be like, so what, how's it going? Would you see in New York today? Cause I think she hadn't been, you know, maybe visited here once or twice or something, but it was like a tourist. And she was like, um, she goes, uh, first CD I ever bought. She's a thick accent. It's the first mm-hmm. CD I ever bought when I was growing up in Serbia. You know what it was? What was it? Jennifer Lopez. Uh, I'm still on the six from the block, Kenny from the block. That yeah. one. you know, and this like we're like laughing, you know, it's <laughs> an adult, so they're laughing, like, yeah, this dumb thing I ever bought. But they were like in Serbia when we got the CD, man, it was crazy, like everyone was listening to it and stuff. And so, what she did is she came when she well, she didn't come here for this, she came here for some yeah. other shit, school shit, or whatever, but she was saying, like, um, uh, you know, she had this like a few days off in New York, so she decided to go find the block that Jennifer <laughs> so she went to the Bronx where is it yeah, Harlem she the Bronx <laughs> and she yeah. found like where the video was shot or whatever oh my god and uh you know we were like fucking that's some joker shit yeah yeah, right? yeah. it was fucking funny and yeah. And then was talking about how like she went like down this rabbit hole though reading about Jennifer Lopez and stuff and like you know that block i guess is like there's like a school and a church on it or whatever so she's yeah. reading about like um jennifer lopez like kind of like raising money or something for the kids in this neighborhood and she and she so she's what she said she started to figure out is like a i don't think she's actually from this neighborhood uh, <laughs> or b it's like she is from this neighborhood but this is actually like kind of a suburban neighborhood it's like yeah. not really hood and stuff and uh you know so i stopped her there and i was like look here's my take on this right artists the united states like america has we worship capitalism it's our Mm -hmm. god it's our overarching ideology the market and the meritocracy have to be real so we have this thing with artists and and they're linked they're inextricably linked in general when someone gets famous they then have to decide to insist upon rewriting their origin story to make it seem as though they came from as hard of a situation as possible because the farther back you can push like the the harder you can make it seem like your journey to the top was that implies more merit because we are (laughs) operating on the assumption that the meritocracy is real that implies Mm -hmm. that you are you have more merit and therefore you're like really good at what you do which is if you understand the meritocracy she can't sing right (laughs) so you can't be a rich person she Uh came from the block that means she's really good otherwise she wouldn't be this famous right like no it's not just that you're like rich and that chaos also that you uh were fucking tommy motola and uh (laughs) you were a fly girl and uh yeah yeah but i was thinking about the system works in terms of like um celebrities and stuff in united states and how so that's how it works for them and then for us as fans of them, not us, but like the us. Regular people, yeah. Uh, there's this other thing going on where people like go crazy for like these like pop singers and stuff. And I saw somebody articulate it pretty well recently, which is that the reason people like worship celebrities, especially celebrities of like the artist kind, is that it implies via the meritocracy again that, that we have a we have a chance like we have a chance and the yeah. chance is at 
escaping our working class reality if and we're talented launching enough. ourselves yeah. into the bourgeois life yeah which is the goal of liberalism like if the idea is everyone is going to eventually get to be a bourgeois member of society and like not have to work all day at stuff and be able to do all this decadent stuff and like the dream life that if i won the lottery life and the interesting thing about that though is that uh if you win the lottery and you win the dream life it does not imply the obliteration of the classes below you who do not win the dream life. So I think it's a perfect way to describe liberalism, what you're saying right now, which is that the problem with it is that um, often liberals can recognize the material reality that makes any person's bad, like existence bad, but they can only comprehend the way out of that as being like some kind of class mobility thing where you get chosen, like magically picked out of the crowd into like a good life, as opposed to obliterating the systems that created a bad life for a whole chunk of humanity. Right. And rather, but rather than think about it as like a complete lottery, they think yeah. about it like a talent lottery. Like exactly. what if I find out one day I'm like, it's like a star is born or something. Like yeah. I have this golden voice, but I'm from the slums and like, I get to go do this thing, which is like, you're right. Way better story would be, uh, hey, what if we overthrew the thing and then we all got to live like that, right? Yeah. That's literally like communism. Like, but liberals cannot, cannot possibly conceive of that. Right. And so like that, but that here, it's, I'm tying it all back here is yeah. that, that person that was saying like, you should go work the road or whatever. Mm -hmm. Comics to get to that level, what they're telling you is, hey, I got like a tiny like a like a like a, a fucking, slice of it yeah. like a coach whatever the backseat of the plane is yeah. version of that in this life where you play funny bones and shit and work yeah. code and they're like you should do that because when you get that you get to be a micro version of like a britney spears or a Jennifer yeah. or whatever it ain't pretty it ain't the biggest house but you technically are living the bourgeois life which like i just i don't know more and more like i think about like all these like um supposedly socialist podcasters and stuff like that and like whatever yeah. goal is in making media even if it is like radical media and stuff everyone that's what everyone is after in this country like yeah. it and it's stark because when you get it you just kind of you they, they all have this everyone who, who achieves that life kind of has this attitude about it where it's like well hey man i ain't gonna save everyone you know i brought like two or three friends with me and uh that's, this is my life the story of my life yeah like, made a million dollars off of a thing and bought a house and uh that's it and then the entire theory of society is hope that out the window hope, hope it works out for you, gets, yeah. <laughs> too, you know? hope you don't burn up in the next 10 years of climate change uh but i'm secured i got solar panels um i'm gonna throw out for you i got two comedy happenings that happened while we were on break that i want to throw out to you and get some opinions on all right you ready yeah a uh, quick one maybe this isn't even like an opinion thing but it's just a fun thing i don't know if you saw it but um so you've heard about horatio sands and how he's a groomer abuser dude yeah you heard that yeah yes so we're a fair podcast so we also have to cover our latino uh groomers and uh abusers in comedy not just the white ones uh but horatio sands um he's being taken to court, I think in civil court right now, uh, by one of the young women that he groomed while he was at SNL. And what's really funny, Jake, that I want to bring up here is that in the affidavit that got submitted to the court, uh, 
the show I booked Sticker Treat <laughs> gets, <laughs> gets named <laughs> in an affidavit against another comedian. And I just fucking love it so much. I really hope the show survives uh, this year. But the so basically what happened was that the young woman who was groomed by Horatio, um, at some point, somebody sent her a clip from the Sticker Treat from 2019, I believe which was of this one kid, Jeremy. Um, I'll post his clip and everything. Um, he's a great comic. He did a um, impression of Jerry Seinfeld. Okay. I, yeah. I think you were there. You probably saw it, Jake. I think I remember this. It's yeah. Fun. So he did an impression of Jerry Seinfeld where he like came out and he did the, you know, Seinfeld voice and he comes out and he's like, oh, yeah, what's up with girlfriends? Huh? They're, they always want to talk about math homework. <laughs> and like, so like his whole, the entire three minute bit was about how his girlfriend's 17, basically. And so it was this, um, the point of the bit was that, that like, it's crazy that this 34 year old Jerry Seinfeld dated a 17 year old. Let's make fun of him for it. The 19 year old who got groomed by Horatio Sands when she was 15, watched the clip of the fake Jerry Seinfeld talking about how like everybody knows I'm fucking a 17 year old that's gross yeah so in the affidavit she literally writes how like watching this she had the realization that if what? Seinfeld dating a 17 year old was not okay then Horatio Sands talking to her when she was 14 and 15 was not okay oh my god I was there that's yes Jake so in the affidavit if you look it up it's publicly available she so this i bring it up because you and i have often had the argument about like what can comedy actually change in the world and like this is an example of where it did actually change something in the world where yeah that person was doing joyce too we were just yes we were just enjoying ourselves making fun of one of the quote heroes of comedy right and this innocent person just saw it and and through the joke of like, isn't it crazy that 32 or 34 year old Seinfeld was dating a 17 year old? We all laugh at this now. She suddenly had the realization of how weird her relationship was with Horatio when she was 14 and 15. Yeah. So then the affidavit goes on to be like, so the next thing was that she texted her friends who knew her at that time. And she was like, hey, I just watched this thing <laughs> from Stick or Treat. The fuck out. Yeah, dude. And she's like, is it crazy? Did you guys think it was weird when Horatio was like around me when I was 14 and 15? And then like all her friends replied, yes, it was weird and it was wrong. And we're sorry that we didn't speak out and like do something to stop him from, or like stop you from hanging out with him. But that was fucking crazy and creepy. So this like, you know, and it also speaks to like uh, how people want to believe that like abuse is like in inherently recognizable in the moment that it happens. It's yeah. not, dude. This is an example of a person, a young, a very, very young person, not realizing that they were being abused until they heard a joke about a similar situation. And then they went and talked to their friends about their situation. And then yeah. their friends finally felt like I can tell you the truth that was sick and it was gross that this fucking 35 year old man was bringing you to clubs and sending you sexy messages and whatever the fuck and then she decided to like look up stuff about like grooming and uh sexual abuse and predators and stuff so oh, she educated a, herself this is a really annoying place to be doing this but i have to yeah. i'll be right back i have to run do something wrong 
Yeah. Sorry. Okay. Me too. We'll Sorry. pause. Well, <laughs> I'll edit this. This is All what right. I'm going to do. I could keep talking, but I'm not going <laughs> to. Okay, okay, I'm back. Hello, I'm here. Yo, I'm here. Okay, great, 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 great. So let's let's finish. Um, so yeah. I think we covered that shtick and Horatio thing. I just uh, wanted to bring it up as an example of like when comedy did to, actually affect the world, Jake. I have to be a James Joyce here and tell you that the reason i had to go away is because i had the bubble guts you like, had to shit <laughs> read about in his pivotal novel ulysses uh i'm gonna be the yates here and be like i just had to go off and <laughs> think about better ways that the podcast could be <laughs> for like a minute no but another thing that i wanted to ask you about did you hear about the airy spears and tiffany haddish shit oh hell yeah <laughs> yeah bro we gotta talk about that dude because that's crazy right did you look into the details not really i just kind of heard the story oh man so this is like uh get me canceled kind of shit but it's crazy um it i think it's like a really interesting case because um it is a case in which like people are being brought to court namely tiffany haddish and ari spears for child abuse right and so what sucks is that this is like a case where materially people who feel like victims are finding an avenue to get a recourse right but it is not exactly a clear-cut case of people being victims in other ways that we know right like of like louis ck victims whatever fucking jeff ross victims uh horatio sands victims right yeah what happened with the Ari Spears and Tiffany Haddish thing, which I think like most people didn't click into the article and read the fucking thing because like the headlines were all just like Tiffany Haddish, Ari Spears, they're child abusers, they're fucking pedophiles. Ah, they're going to court, they're pedophiles. But when you read into it, Jake, what happened was that, okay, so Tiffany and Aries have been comedy partners for a long time, right? Before either of them got famous. I don't know. I, she yeah. did a lot better than him. Yeah, exactly. So they used to do sketches together, okay? And once upon a time, a few years ago, they came up with a sketch idea where they were going to do a sketch about pedophiles, all right? So Tiffany from what I'm gathering from all the things I've read was like, I have some children we can use in the sketch. And so she had like a family friend who had children who she like regularly like watched her children, you know, was like a babysitter, like part of the family or whatever. So she goes to the woman who has the children and she's like, Hey, I want to put your kids in the sketch with me. Is that cool? And the mom is like, yeah, that's fine. So she agrees and it's like a girl who's like 
let's say like maybe like nine, I think. And the boy is like seven or six. And so Tiffany takes the boy and the girl over to wherever they're going to record the sketch with Ari Spears. And the sketch is a sketch about like, I guess like being aware of how pedophiles could get your kids. So there's like a scene in the sketch where the boy is like fully naked in a bathtub with Ari Spears. And Ari is like um, whispering disgusting shit in his ear, you know, like being like a pedophile because that's what he's supposed to play for the sketch. Okay. Uh-huh. And this sketch went up on Funny or Die, Jake. So it was on Funny or Die for over a year. And then Funny or Die took it down and they claimed that they were not responsible for the content of the sketch because it was user uploaded content. So it was like either Ari's or Tiffany had an account on Funny or Die and they uploaded this sketch. And it was up for a couple of years. And then Funny or Die took it down. And then when the lawsuit came up, Ari's took it down from his own YouTube page. So that shows like a feeling of guilt, (laughs) right? And then the next thing that happened is that Tiffany hired uh, Prince Albert's same lawyer, (laughs) the guy who was on the fucking airplane to go to pedophile island. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. So that's not... Char- no Albert Charles. I don't know. I don't know. One of them. Whatever. She she hired the same lawyer as the pedophile um, royalty guy. Sure. And uh, right. so that doesn't make her look great. <laughs> you know. If I was the other lawyer. I would point out that. Yeah. Exactly. It does not make her look great. But I guess what I, why I'm bringing this up to you is because. Okay, I definitely don't think that Ari's or Tiffany are pedophiles who were trying to sexually abuse or harass or in- intimidate or in any way hurt these children. But they still put children into a sketch where like a seven-year-old doesn't know we're pretending. A seven-year-old does still experience this as like, I didn't want to be in a bathtub with this guy and you kept forcing me. And apparently in the affidavit, the girl and the boy say that when they cried and they didn't want to be in the scenes, Tiffany would come up to them and be like, oh, how are you ever going to make it in show business if you're going to cry about like having to do a scene or whatever? So there was this like fucked up, horrible dynamic where they didn't feel safe or free to walk away from anything that they were doing. So for those kids, their memory and their experience is of abuse. It doesn't matter what the intention was on Ari's and Tiffany's part. You know what I mean? Like, even if their intention was not to sexually abuse these children, they did. Because, well, yeah, sure. Yeah. So it's kind of fucked up because I'm confused about this. I'm like, I don't think that they're pedophiles, but they certainly were not responsible, safe adults to have around children. Right, they're not pedophiles. Like this isn't yeah. like you know, like downloading child porn every fucking day, and like they're mm-hmm. like a drive to do this. But like intention doesn't equate whether you did the it. Effect. Or not. Yeah. 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 So like they just if so, somebody like um, I don't know. I've been thinking about this a lot because I read that book about PTSD, and like there's this really stupid way i think people think about the idea of trauma because like the way that book body keeps the score kind of like made me understand trauma 
as this thing that happens to humans is that it's like psychic wounding and you have like a central nervous system that is interworked with your mind and soul and everything or whatever and your body very real physical thing and it can be uh affected yeah by traumatic events but like whenever people whatever like you try to explain to somebody that you have ptsd or something like that or that you have you're affected in some way what they do is use human like language and stuff to try to qualify that and go well is that legitimate like do you have ptsd like some like from someone who goes to war or do you have it like were imaginary you <laughs> yeah or um or are you bullshitting and are you yeah. just saying like oh like like did somebody not actually do anything wrong to you and i think this is really interesting because like you're you can just get shocked like yeah. by you just walk down the street and actually trip on something and you're the rest of your life you're just kind of you're psychically wounded to some degree so it's silly for humans to have to like um test like litmus test it and go well i need to know whether or not this is valid and you are like legitimate and able to um you know to like take this like label of someone who is like a victim or whatever was affected by a thing because like your central nervous system doesn't have eyeballs like it doesn't know whether it just got shocked by a bear or a completely made up thing or a fake bear yeah fake bear or (laughs) a you know real thing that happened or it just it is just affected it's like asking your arm like yeah when it's bleeding like well was this a a murderer with a knife or did you scrape yourself on a door like there's no difference you're still bleeding right so with situations of abuse where people say um like these kids they're absolutely right if they are that way they are there's no question yeah. whether the person's intention was the intention doesn't not. matter yeah right so you might have a situation where you have like an Aries spears and a tiffany haddish who are like realizing like oh i didn't realize i did that to that mm-hmm. person you know and uh but then what's weird is that they're not taking that tack jake they're not and maybe that is a result of our society where nobody can ever just be like, I'm sorry, I did that because it would equal you being like liable for so many things. But that does seem like what's off about this to me is that I don't think that Aries or Tiffany intended to um, harm these kids psycho- psychically the way that they did, but they did. And instead of being able to recognize that and say shit we were just thinking about how funny it would be to do a sketch about this and we didn't consider the effects of forcing children to be in this sketch with us doesn't even come up as like a possibility of like acknowledging after the fact well okay can i put a really crazy spin on this yeah something i've been thinking about a lot is um <clears throat> how much like uh how much shit i get for being very i think for being very sincere online and like the way the way i talked about it with like um those people at that library podcast we were talking about the idea of like uh like what do we do with why you mad or with yeah. my show right learning in public and there's like a degree to which you're taking a risk when you learn in public and you're opening yourself up for everyone to hear every mistake you ever made on the way to becoming getting better to being better yourself and to me it's totally worth it because i feel like i learned a lot more than i would i mean i could have fucking 
went to college and spent a bazillion dollars and then like you know maybe no one would ever hear me get Hegel wrong or something like that but, but like, even if you did do that jake i did that and i still find value in um expressing myself uh like having to formulate my own words about how i feel despite all of the academia and and theory and whatever that i learned and yeah. then also hearing the feedback from people who either had the same education as me or didn't yeah no this is what i'm saying like doing it like this yeah. you'll learn like 20 million times faster more yeah absolutely you actually are honestly engaging right but yeah it's the thing right so i think the reason that like this is coming from my personal shit but like i like you know i kind of got this uh this scarlet letter put on me from people in like the internet world and like the the stupid like you know podcasts like left world or whatever for being like cringy or whatever and like you know having you know made mistakes and stuff in public and or, like talking about your feelings basically. shit like that this part of that but, like <laughs> yeah. let me but let me this is a whole yeah. this is all part of one big thing right so like th that uh i wouldn't i like i would never i wouldn't change anything this is how i operate and it's for that reason you're just striving you learn way faster it's way more authentic it's way better right but the thing is like um the reason i think that it is so like challenging to people to see someone operate like that and so unintuitive has to do with everyone competing in capitalism because like um so i've been thinking a lot about the simpsons that episode where that guy lyle landley comes to town and sells the monorail to everyone you know what i'm talking mm -hmm. about yeah so that's like a classic episode it's like people say it's like the best episode of the simpsons right like writer nerd types and i think that one of the reasons why is that that character is a trope from like early like american cinema like there's this movie called night of the hunter that's about like a uh, a con man who comes to a town and he just charms the shit out of everyone and then he's like up to all this evil stuff and um that movie we talked about uh is kind of like that there's all these old black and white movies and like twilight zone episodes that are about this early american idea because there was like towns and there was no internet so you could show up into a place and present yourself as a fully formed person and use that to your advantage to try to like swindle people by being like impressive on this level because everyone else in the town has watched each other grow up so they've seen each other be human and make all these mistakes you can't do that to the town that you're from but you can go a town over present yourself as this brand new fucking impressive person yeah twirling a cane and all this stuff and that's how like all of these american grifts got off the ground and it's like it, it's indelible it's embodied in like american culture and history and stuff like that so like which is it, crazy that they hate immigrants because literally right that's what we're trying to do <laughs> we just go to each other's towns we're like immigrants. yeah but like um so that's what i'm getting at so i like to learn in public i don't give a shit i think it's like endearing you're comfortable making mistakes in public yeah yeah or like embarrassing myself or whatever yeah. right? I'm a comedian like all it is is embarrassing right yeah so but that fucking throws people and it it freaks people out by association because they're all doing the lyle landley night of the hunter thing where they need to sell themselves as the most impressive version of themselves as yeah. possible so a lot of those people the intellectual stuff they're getting is coming from having gone to college 
tucked away somewhere where no one will ever yeah. know even though people do find out about shit you did in college but like what those still houses operating for those people and then like the cool factor of it is just simply like you know just just uh just crafting away and etching away at your online identity and trying to like delete anything that ever made you look bad and then just sort of like maintain this facade of cool that is impossible and inherently fake and that i think because that's that's how you have to be to get ahead in the world right now that is also why people are so obsessed with getting a scarlet letter put on them and getting a like like you're saying with the situation with fucking Ari Spears and, and uh, what's her face, uh, Tiffany Haddish. Tiffany, yeah. Like, it, it would not be the end of the world for them really to just admit they made a mistake. Totally, to just be like, uh, we were 25 and we thought it would be a funny sketch and they were fr- family friends and we thought they would get it, but we didn't know that children would not think of this as a good experience. <laughs> right, stuff like this happens yeah. in the world all yeah. the time, right? It's like yeah. part of human life. Exactly. But- it feels to people like it is going to permanently ruin them um yeah well it's- because the idea is that you're like all famous people are supposed to be like perfect angels that you can put on like a fucking pedestal i guess and you're, you're it, like you're you can't be lyle lanley because yeah if, if you have one scratch on you then you suddenly are behind all these other people who are presenting yeah. themselves as this fucking perfect human or whatever yeah so it's like it, I get it. Like in a market sense, you're like, oh no, I can't. I can't have people know that I like sexually assaulted somebody once or something because you're like, Dude, and I'm it's just, also I hate to add I'm like not S tier anymore. You know? I hate to add like the weird racial thing, but like I do think that there is this like it is unfair to already be applying the label of like abusers or pedophiles to either of these comics because of the situation that I just explained when louis ck still gets to perform and slide through the world as not an abuser of women that he like purposely fucking abused you know what i mean like it's not even comparable and yet jeff ross still gets to exist in the world i just saw his birthday post at the uh, comedy what is it the What's the club in LA? The store. The store. Thank you. The comedy store had a birthday cake for him and all this stuff. Uh, every every fucking pedophile and abuser that has a that is famous and has a tie somewhere to some club or whatever, they get keep getting celebrated. And it's mostly white guys. And it's so fucked up that this particular case has already like gone to the level of like we're going to court about this. And again, I am not saying that these children do not have a right to seek some repercussion for like the experience that they were forced to have. But it is still not equal to me that we have gone this far with like Ari's and Tiffany made a questionable sketch and we haven't gone this far with Louis C.K. took his dick out on his peers during work situations like I don't I just don't understand how like one seems to be be like a clear cut this has to go to court yeah the other one is uh no what are you talking about that's just a genius being a genius (laughs) and I'm just like how is this not racial it is absolutely racial but like the people that apologize for Louis are like the culture war like right-wing dickheads 
you know. Yeah, no, absolutely. But I, I guess maybe what I'm pointing out is that the cultural, culture war right wing dickheads are not standing up for a Tiffany and Aris. Well, they maybe would. Like, I mean, you might see, like, they currently I, aren't. They yeah. might if they realize that it would like benefit their narrative. That's what I'm saying. Like, but the fact that they're not shows that their narrative is not really what they believe in, is that it's um, selectively applied. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I also could foresee a future where, like, anyone that something like this happens to just realizes if you want to maintain a career, that's the yeah. path. So, like, Tiffany and Aries could pursue that and maybe become you know like like now the the black bill mars and Luke yeah Hayes. totally <laughs> yeah there is a fucking market but yeah. like also that's not good i don't want that to happen i don't want that so to like, happen yeah. it's a really sad thing but i also don't think it's i mean i don't think that they should be i don't mean that they shouldn't be penalized i think that they should admit that they made a mistake like an artistic mistake like to me um so i i um, <laughs> my lover makes a comment all the time about how he thinks ch uh child actors should not exist yeah i kind of feel that way too yeah because he thinks that like um ultimately like it's unethical right you get short people to play them in movies yeah man and i don't think he's wrong because like uh the based on the age that i am i always think of interview with a vampire right you remember that kirsten stewart or whatever was like fucking 11 years old when she was in that movie Do you oh, remember no. that yeah that. dude I've seen it a long time oh my god yeah no and i'm older than you so i remember in the 90s when interview with a vampire came out the big thing was that like the two main vampires were the hot dudes right brad pitt and tom cruise yeah and then the young little vampire girl that was part of their coven or whatever was Kristen Stewart and but she was like literally like 11 or 12 years old so yeah. in that movie there's like a kissing scene Jake where 11 year old Kristen Stewart has to kiss Tom Cruise and they have like this like sex scene basically and now you realize like yo why did you have a 12 year old actor fucking being touched by Tom Cruise a 45 year old man like this is gross and it's weird yeah. and it's like why why are you doing this so i do think that there is something where um intention ceases to matter when it comes to the actual experience of the person going through this and if the person is fucking seven years old or 10 years old or 11 years old and they don't have another frame of reference for how interpersonal relationships should go and their first experience is that another person gets to decide how clothed I should be, who gets to touch me, where I get to stand, when I get to stop, when I have to stop crying. That is very much an abusive situation where you are being removed from your body's needs, right? And you're being told that like another person's expectations of your body supersede your needs for your body. You wanna cry? Nobody cares. You need to act cool and pretend you're a vampire in this scene. <laughs> you yeah. know? And that to me is abuse. So if we're going to say that the children in Ari Spears and Tiffany's uh, sketch were exposed to like abusive stuff, we also have to open the door to like, I think most 
kid actors or be like every time I watch a movie that's like a kid shooting his parents or whatever, like horrible shit. I watch a lot of weird. Sometimes I watch a movie (laughs) and it's like because it's a movie, you just assume, okay, this is probably done like above ethically. But you're like watching a scene and you're just like, there is no way like they Mm -hmm. separated this child from this horrible thing that's happening in the scene absolutely like just by the way the cameras are set you're like they're in the same room there's there's no way you know there's no way they didn't hear everything that you just talked about about abortion about like whatever maybe so i i I just don't think that the tiffany and um ari's situation is much different than what happens in most film and tv yeah i think you're right i mean also though like to get back to something we've talked about before um i think you're definitely right that like in this situation your intention doesn't matter and it's important to point out that intention and effect are two different things but like that it's not that cut and dry i think because like i think i think the distinction to make here that's important is that intention and outcome are separate sometimes when someone is getting grilled over a thing they did they are getting grilled like accused of having a bad intention intention and in that case i think it's you deserve that yeah no totally no i think in that case a good defense is this was not my intention like talking about the artist's intention is actually important i don't think it's always one or the other but, but when you're being attacked specifically for your intention. Well, I was yeah. thinking about this with the fucking you've all to be kidding me thing or whatever, yeah. where I was like, this is the reason like people were accusing me of like uh, doing like the cancel culture meltdown thing that comics do or whatever. Yeah. I was thinking about that. And I was like, man, am I? But I was like, well, what's what I'm being accused of here is having a bad intention. And I'm telling yeah. you what my intention was, which was not bad. If you want to yeah. tell me there's an outcome that this hurts somebody or whatever. Sure. I'm willing to hear that. Yeah. Take that, even yeah. though I think it's like dumb but like whatever sure it was a you know mass shooting or whatever maybe it's possible for somebody to have been like personally hurt by that i think most of these people are just too they were mostly hurt and uh they if they were hurt by that they were probably like mainly hurt by the bullets right Uh, not (laughs) the words that somebody said well you know if somebody (laughs) if one of the parents from that shooting saw that tweet i would then feel bad and go hey look i'll take it down or whatever but it was just like random people that were just like not there i think that they were trying to imply that their feelings are were hurt but if you ask them they're actually just mad that theoretically someone else can be i'm like whatever fuck you I don't yeah tell me the person that's actually totally. but like what i was what i was thinking about was like this thing we were talking with intention and outcome and i was like i'll argue with these fucking people about my intention here because my intention was to make fun of chelsea Hitler, which i yeah. stand by and will i for. know totally uh but isn't that really funny Ugh comedy is so fucked up dude because it um it depends so much on common references on like you understanding what i'm referencing and that often leaves us in this like very vulnerable position where everybody who doesn't understand our reference can then interpret what we're saying based on any of the references they previously had you know what i mean so like I don't know. Um, To circle back to what we were talking about, I think that comedy is simultaneously something that is transgressive, but it also something that is supposed to like make people feel comfortable. But like we agree on like we laugh at these same things. We think the same things are a joke or funny or jokeable and okay to make jokes about. 
And I don't, I feel like so many people just don't want to recognize that and instead want to be offended when they don't feel like somebody finds the same humor and the same things they do. I don't know. I don't know. But then that is why this podcast exists because we have to figure that out for the rest of our lives. Yeah, forever. <laughs> yeah, forever. Um, I love it. I think um, my idea, unless Jake disagrees, is that we should just release like the next four weeks of episodes just to our Patreons, Patreon subscribers, the people who stayed on. Um, just to thank you for staying on while we took a break, which we sorely needed. And then uh, we'll release those, I think, maybe like a week late for you to people. And then we'll see where we go from there. But keep writing us emails. Uh, I won't yell at you. I have taken so much medication. I'm doing well. Uh, I won't be mad at you. <laughs> I might block you on the internet if you're hurting my mental health. But otherwise, it should be good. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, the real talk, thank you if you're a Patreon subscriber and you hung out for all this. Yeah. Um, yeah, we'll make it up to you by putting more content out there. I, I'm probably going to repeat this on public episodes and stuff, but like, I feel like I should make it uh, very transparent, like kind of what happened with the show here and stuff, which yeah. is um, the people that listen to this show, like love this show. I got a lot of messages and stuff from people that are like diehards and that's cool. And so I really like doing it. Yeah. I don't make as much money off of this as I do my other show. So when I got to do a bunch of shit and my life gets busy, this, this is to go. Yeah. This is the first project that kind of fell off of all the things Same for me. On a weekly basis. Yeah. So like, tell your friends, sign up for that damn Patreon because if That's we make more money, I can drop a bar shift is what I'm saying. Uh, Jake, same for me stuff. where I, the thing that I was telling you about earlier, like right at the top where I was like, oh, I get, I have job satisfaction. <laughs> like I literally feel good about the job that I do for capitalism I get paid well I feel satisfied that I'm doing a good thing so then um doing a podcast or like comedy stuff on the side if it doesn't pay as well and it doesn't have as good of a feedback loop I guess it doesn't feel as worth it as I just mean I physically can't like survive i i had to take a bunch of extra work just to survive so like i know but what i'm saying is like um i literally did experience like uh feeling more satisfaction from just the job stuff of like i get things done it gets checked off off of my list i got it done you know what i mean like i don't know how to explain like it just um sometimes being a cog is really comforting and you get to be like, great, I'm getting all this stuff done. I'm such a good cog. Everybody loves me. The machine can't can't possibly exist without me. I'm excellent. I'm killing it. But then uh, all the other things that you are letting fall by the wayside make you feel bad because I should have been paying attention to that. So that's more of the space that I'm into right now. Um, where capitalism... I'm good at it. I've been good at it for a long time. <laughs> and now I just have to continue to make a space for the things that actually matter to me that are not rewarded by capitalism. Yeah, no, the balance is hard to find. It's hard to find because it's um, every time I think of these alt-right dudes in comedy, 
I kind of have a sympathy for them because I understand that they are in a position where they were ignored for so many years and they didn't find audiences or people to like in any way check off like I agree with you and then all of a sudden by going in these alt-right ways they had all these boys being like yes I love what you say you're the greatest you're saying everything I think and nobody says and whatever and it just checks a box that I think we all need to acknowledge that capitalism has this power over us where checking a box feels really good where um feeling like you're part of the system makes you feel really good where feeling like um you're useful and you have a place in the whole thing makes you feel good dude and it's not conducive to the good future of humanity but it's like personally good for you yeah no i mean did you watch the bear like i did an essay for i haven't yeah no i haven't watched it yeah tell me about I, it well like i really vibed with it because of what yeah. i was doing in my job at the same time but i mean it's you know it's about like a guy who works in the service industry who also you know has a big massive existential hole and like death and stuff like that and is like you know addicted to work because it blacks everything else out and like totally that i get I mean, that <laughs> that's so hard you know yeah. but, but it at you know you can't do it forever yeah then you'll find this other thing that sucks you out yeah you know? mm -hmm. yeah well write us emails about that about how you're lacking about how how it's filling you up how capitalism fills you up but also how it leaves you feeling empty that's what i want to hear about <laughs> All right. That is an email. Uh, so we'll do this. Jake will do um, a show next week. But again, I think we're going to release these all just for Patreon people. And then uh, two or three weeks out, release it for everyone else. So write us emails at why you mad pod. You know, you guys have been the loyal ones who know. Um, but what else do you want to say, Jake? Uh, nothing. <laughs> okay. So that, that was our closing statement. Uh, love you guys. We're so glad to be back. I honestly, I miss talking to you, Jake. I missed doing the podcast in general. I love it. I love you guys. I definitely want to keep doing it. And I hope you enjoy it in general. Just write to us. Yup. Bye. Bye. It's finished. <laughs> Okay, we gotta do stop record, okay.